Emily's Live. Welcome to Emily is Live with me, Emily Dolan Davis. Come and hang out whilst I share my experiences in the music industry. You can ask me questions live and we can get you one step closer to your professional dreams. Hello, 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 hello. Welcome once again to Emily is Live. This is great, I've been in the room already. We've already got a ton of people in, which is always fun uh, when people are waiting in. So we've already had Maisel from Brazil. He was first in, so hello to you, Maisel. Uh, Matthew North is in as well, who I saw at the weekend because I did a couple of shows with uh, Kim and he was there and I, I basically went to go see him in the pit thinking that my pass would be fine. I have a triple A pass, I can go in the pit. Anyway, there was a fella who did not agree and I managed to sneak in, say hello to Matt for probably about a minute and then I had to run out again. So that was a bit upsetting. But anyway, um, I got to see you Matt, albeit briefly and I saw you on stage, so that's fine. Um, who else is in? Carl Bayless is here, hello Carl. We also have the Zalster came and went. He's got all, he's been called into work. So hello to the Zalster, hello and goodbye. Graham Wilmot is already in, uh, David Frontman, David Lemids is already in. I mean, yeah, it's just awesome already. Um, so yes, welcome to another week of Emily is Live. This is a live podcast. Funnily enough, I know the key is in the title. And this week I want to talk about something that is uh, is something that has kind of um, been an underlying factor, I think, of my career and how I run my life, basically. And um, it's about negative thoughts, <laughs> which sounds horrendous on the surface, but actually I've realized that although I, I think a lot of us suffer with negative thoughts, negative self-talk, all that sort of stuff, but I think if you can find a way to use it in a positive way, then it's actually a really, really useful tool. So I'm gonna literally <laughs> give you an insight into my brain first of all, so apologies for that, but I'm gonna give you some like actual examples of uh, ways that I have thought in the past and what's what that's led to what that has made me like how I've used it in a positive way so that is the plan for today and with that I'm gonna delve right in here so um as without turning this into like a therapy session which I do not want to do I basically have always had this underlying thought uh, that is um, I'm not good enough and that has really spanned the whole of my life I've no idea where it comes from I really don't care to be honest it just it is what it is and there we go and although as I say on the surface that can be quite a negative thought and, and make you feel quite bad it's actually been really 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 positive for my career and the reason for that is because with anything this is what I've learned with anything with any negative thought or anything like that I try to distill it down to what that actually means and make that be a positive thing and what I mean by that is right I am not good enough that as a thought what does that mean okay well if I'm not good enough then that means that I just need to work harder so what does that mean? Well, that means that my skill level is gonna go up. So what does that mean? Well, actually, that's a really positive thing. It's coming from a negative initial place, but actually that just means that I'm gonna be better at what I do. So actually, that's a good thing. Um, and that's what I do with any negative thought that I have. Uh, more recently, because 
I've been to CBT and things like that. I'm very open about that. I think CBT is a wonderful thing. I would suggest it for anyone that is in two minds about it. Go try it out. Um, I've benefited greatly from it. Uh, it stands for Cognitive Behavioural Behavioral Therapy. <laughs> I can barely speak. Um, and yeah, I found it really, really useful. It's, it's kind of like a talking therapy type thing, but it's yeah, it works for my brain. But anyway, what I learned in that space as well was to challenge it and say, okay, I'm not good enough. Well, let's have a think about things that I am good at and build a case against that thought almost, like gather evidence. And that also has really helped me too. So, you know, and it, I remember the first time I did it with uh, a therapist and, it, and the guy was like, look, it doesn't even need to be about your career or anything. Like, what are you just good at? And I was like, I, I don't know. Um, I'm good at, I guess I'm okay at like cooking food. And he was like, great, that's one. And I was like, I guess I I, I care about people. But he was like, that's great. And then we sort of like built this list and then it did come around to sort of like drumming and career and the things that I was feeling really insecure about. When well, in fact, I was feeling insecure about everything. But um, yeah, so building a case is good, but let's stick with the this sort of like, okay, but what does that mean? If you can challenge your negative thoughts like that. So I'll give you a second one, um, which is, uh, they're not going to want me because I'm a girl. So that's relating to, you know, a drumming job or whatever. And, you know, this has been my experience. Uh, and that, you know, it is what it is. I, I'm okay with it because I am where I am. But again, what does that mean? They don't want me as a girl. Uh, as a girl, they don't want me as a drummer for their band, for their project, because I'm a girl. Okay, well, what does that mean? Well, it means one of two things for me. I distill it down and I say, well, either that means that I have to be so good at what I do that being a girl is completely inconsequential to the situation, or I'm so good that they have to ignore the fact that they didn't want a girl in the first place. Side note, I totally nailed this audition with this band back in the day when they said exactly that. The singer was literally like, uh, we need a new drummer. I said, I would love to play with your band. He said, no, we don't want to go. And I said, well, just give me a chance. Let me just come and audition. I went and audition, ended up getting it. Very happy with that. But what does that mean? Okay, just got to work harder. So I made sure that I knew everything. I made sure that I was like on it, all of that sort of stuff. Um, and yeah, and it worked. But then even further than that, what I realized was, okay, they don't want me because I'm a girl. And by the way, that can be like, that word girl can be substituted for so many things. It can be because I'm a boy. It's because I'm a gospel drummer. It's because I'm too tall. And yes, there has been gigs where there's been height restrictions. Um, but anyway, when you distill it down even further, rather than, cause you can go down there. Well, I'll just be so good that that's gonna be irrelevant. And that's a great place to be if you want motivation to get better at what you're doing. But another side thing is, but what does that mean? Well, that also means that maybe I don't wanna be spending time with people that value the fact that I'm a girl or whatever. They value that more than being a good musician. If that's what's more important to them, oh, if that's gonna stop them from doing things, oh, that's not ideal. So maybe I don't want to be hanging out with people like that. So again, from that negative sort of like self-thought of like, oh no, they don't want me because I'm a girl. I go to, well, I'll work harder. And plus, I don't really want to be around people like that anyway. Win, 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 win. Positive, positive, positive. Um, so that is a good one. 
Um, I actually wrote these down because I thought I know what's gonna happen, I'm going to forget them. So uh, the next one that I wanted to sort of like do as an example, because I, I thought about this one as well, through a conversation with another drummer called Jonathan Atkinson, who is, so there's two drummers on the Kim Wilde gig and here's the other drummer, or rather I'm the other drummer. He was there first for like 15 years and then I muscled my way in and now I'm the other drummer. Uh, and we were sat having a coffee and we were talking about the fact that when you're home from being on tour, if the phone isn't ringing, then a lot of your self-worth sort of like goes with that. So if the if the phone isn't ringing, oh, that must mean that I'm not good enough, nobody wants me, you know, la 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 la. All these negative thoughts, all these insecurities. So what does that mean? What does it mean that no one's calling? Well, it might mean that you're not good enough. Ah, okay, well, what does that mean? Again, either get better at what you want to be doing, or, and this is where I went with it, let me write the rules on what I decide is, you know, success or, or me being good enough or anything like that. Let me take control of that because as anyone knows that has been following me for long enough, I'm a complete control freak, complete control freak. And you know, it has its upsides, it has its downsides. But one of the things that I recognize is that things like valuing myself, if I can be the one that's in control of you know, how I see myself, am I good enough, all that. If I can be the one that decides, I'm gonna do that. So from that thing of the phone isn't ringing, therefore I'm not good enough, okay, well, what does that mean? That means I need to take control. And it was, you know, it wasn't long, in fact, it was before that, but I sort of connected the dots that that's the reason for starting my own business. That's the reason that I started emilydrums.com. And it was because I parted ways with the darkness and I was just like, nobody's gonna call me. And I don't like this feeling. I don't like the feeling of, of being out of control and like, you know, this this isn't good. So let me, how can I, how can I do this? Let me take a positive action so that I can feel in control. And that's how emilydrums.com started. That was six years ago, uh, five years ago, five years ago, 2016. Um, and I honestly, it's one of the best things I ever did for my life because I now decide if I'm good enough. It's literally down to me. So as I say, that one negative thought of like, oh, the phone isn't ringing, maybe I'm not good enough, became a business, became my own self-worth that I get to create every day if I decide to, and I get to put work in it. So I think, yeah, if you can find a way to switch around those negative thoughts, and they can be like statement thoughts like that. I'm not good, at, I'm not good enough, they don't want me because of X, Y, Z, blah, 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 whatever. Or it can be an overarching feeling as well. For instance, I have a massive fear of failure. Massive. Well, actually, I should say this. I have a massive fear of failure when it comes to working with other people, other artists. If it's my own thing, I kind of don't have that because I feel like I'm just experimenting a lot. Even like this, this is kind of an experiment to me and just seeing how it goes and it's going very well, by the way, can I just say, the experiment is having good results. But if I'm working with someone else, I have a massive fear of failure. And yes, there is still that underlying feeling of I'm not good enough. But again, the fear of failure just makes me work harder. It's like, so I always remember this conversation. I was on a tour bus and it was whilst I was playing with Howard Jones and he said something about me being so prepared or something like that or or i can't remember what it was it was it was something really nice and it was a compliment and that's something else that i don't do well taking if someone compliments me i don't know what to do with it i have to like 
I, I just, it makes me so uncomfortable. So my response to that was oh, like, thank you. Um, the reason is because I'm absolutely terrified of failing and that's why I work so hard. And he was like, oh, is that? Like, yeah, that's basically how I run my life. So like I say, these things can be used as like positive, like spins. And the way that I see it, if a negative thought, if you can turn it to make you take a positive action, you're literally golden. If you can work that out about yourself, and it is very personal, it, and it does come down to your own experience. And what I will say right now is, because I'm about to go into the questions, I knew this has been quite a short little rant for me. Um, I will go into the questions in a minute. If you're feeling brave, and don't feel you have to, but if you want to share some of your beliefs that might have sort of held you back, or you might see as inherently negative, um, if you've turned them around in some way, I'd love to hear that. I love hearing how people do that. Or we could just chat, like, that's fine too. Um, so I will go to the questions in the room now. Uh, no, not in the room, sorry. I've been sent some questions. Sorry, my screen is down here. So I've been sent some questions that I will uh, go through right now, and then um, I will go into the room. If you're listening back or watching back this after the fact, and you wanna come and join us live, all you need to do is uh, subscribe, so sign up at emilyislive.com. You can, like I say, you'll be sent a link, you can come and watch live, you can come and ask questions, watch me ramble on like a mental person, or uh, on that website there's also just a regular question box and that is where I'm getting these questions from now. Um, and they are mainly uh, very um, anonymous, so apologies if you are watching right now and go, that's my question, just tell me, because then I can be like, oh, it's you, okay, great. So, I've had a few questions, uh, a couple of them are fairly sort of like short, but this first one, I think is brilliant. It's very in depth, so I, and, 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 and yes, let me just get on with it. So, this person has, says, has said, sorry, I am a drummer in a band, and there are four of us. We started out by saying that, uh, and we started out the, uh, by saying we would have equal splits. Suddenly, two of the members decided otherwise without notifying us. I am already resentful and we haven't even made any money yet. I write the drums and strongly believe a drummer who writes and works their butt off should get an equal split. What do drummers normally get? We haven't signed a band agreement yet, but uh, but have already recorded songs. Isn't it true that without signing something stating otherwise, all members on a recording own equal shares? What do you suggest uh, I do and say in order to get my point across and stand up, up for myself? Right, there is so much to this question, um, but I did want to answer it because it's, I don't think, I don't feel that I could do a whole episode on this and I'll tell you why. Because, it's because, I have not truly been a proper part of a band. I know I was part of the darkness for about a year and I'll talk about that in a second. But what I will say in my experience, so you've just started a band and there's four of you. Now, there are no rules when it comes to splits. Absolutely not. And it's the biggest reason that I see that bands fall out with each other, band members fall out with each other. Now, let's take this back a second. The way that I see a band is kind of like, so there's four of you. Now, if I were the drummer in your band, uh, if I were you, <laughs> literally, um, it's kind of like, you know how like in life, right? Well, I'm gonna get comfortable. You know like how in life, 
In an ideal world, you would find a partner, someone that you would like to spend the rest of your life with, you have very similar values, or maybe you challenge each other in a really great, great way, but you're like a team, you know, and it's the two of you against the world, and that is awesome, and maybe you have a family, or maybe you don't, or who knows. But the point is there's this, this synergy, there's this common goal, there's a lot of values that are shared. In a band, it's exactly the same. It's about finding those two, three, four other members that share those same values. You share that same goal. And that's, you know, aside from the music, obviously musically you need to be in the same, like the same place or, or there needs to be some sort of synergy there as well. So what I'm reading from this is that maybe the two guys that have decided otherwise without telling you to me that seems like a bit of a mismatch and I if I were in your shoes it maybe I maybe would cut ties and or maybe not cut ties I'd have a conversation first and just express and say look you know this is how I feel uh, about the situation um, you know I always cite this band as a great example of treating each other equally and that's you two um, as far as I'm aware, now I should have done this research before I came live, but I haven't. So here we are. Um, as far as I'm aware, they split everything five ways even. So between the four band members and their manager, and they are all equal. And that's included in songwriting. Because the thing is, and I, I appreciate this, if you're all in a room writing a song, uh, your presence is affecting it. So if I were in a band, just to make it simple, I would split it four ways, but then that's how it is for me. That's just what I think makes sense. It's gonna create the least amount of conflict and friction later on, but that needs to be a conversation because it isn't a given. It never is a given. And you know, there's the, you know, you hear about these, these cases of people claiming that they wrote this part of the song, you know, down to the line sometimes, like the actual like vocal line or whatever. Well, I wrote that line and that person wrote that line. And these days with production teams, sometimes there's like 10 different songwriters writing one song for a pop artist. It's crazy. But it does need to be a conversation. And I think if you can just really, yeah, have that conversation uh, without getting too emotional, because it is emotional, it's, it's difficult. And because you've already written stuff together, I think if you're in the room together, the ideal thing is an equal split. But the reality is as drummers, we don't get writing. That's that, like, it's just the way it is. Now, the reason I wanted to mention the darkness, because that was an interesting situation where I came in at the point that the album was pretty much written. They'd done the uh, demos, all the parts were done. Ed, had, Ed the, the drummer before me, had uh, the original drummer I should say, the OG, had um, already written the parts with the band, recorded them on demo tracks and I was kind of like taking them and interpreting them and essentially not quite copying them but pretty much, you know, just putting my vibe on it I suppose. Apart from there were two songs, one of which was Mudslide, and I'd love to tell you what the other one is, but I can't remember off the top of my head right now. Ah, that's so awkward. Um, yeah, so those two songs, when we went in to record them, we did a, uh, two weeks of pre-production, and in those two weeks, we ended up rewriting two songs. Now, the starting point of these songs had nothing to do with me at all, but we did change a few things. Now, I didn't even speak to them at all about any sort of writing thing because as a drummer, I just assume, like, 
you know, it's drums and I'm in new in the situation. I don't really, you know, it's, I chose to not even address it. They addressed it with me and they said, look, you were a part of this because you create the parts. We were all in a room together and they offered me a percentage. And I was like, do you know what? That is such an, like, that is the correct way to handle yourself, I think. And I didn't even realize it. And it was just something that I really appreciated because it made me feel valued. And I think that's what it comes down to. If you don't feel valued in your band, that's probably not the band for you. If those people don't share the same values of, as you, they're probably not the people for you. So I would say maybe, first of all, have the conversation and then maybe look at other options if it's not you know, looking like things are gonna work out. And I know that's probably not what you necessarily want to hear, but I think if you're starting out and this is the situation, unless it gets addressed now, it's only going to get more difficult. So yes, sorry, that was a bit of a long answer, uh, but and not necessarily very clear cut. This is what you should do, but yeah, or could do, I should say, never should, always could. Um, but yeah, anyway, that's what I get. Right. The next one's a little more light-hearted because I thought, right, I, I knew that that first question was going to be quite in-depth, um, but uh, the second one, pineapple on pizza, discuss. Very quick, yes, I am all for it. I know people don't like it. I love, I love pineapple in savoury food. So pineapple and pizza, I do this lovely, oh, pineapple fried rice oh it's so delicious it's unbelievable my sister can't stand it it's hilarious well anyway yeah i was gonna go into a story i was like no, 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 don't don't go there anyway um and the third question that i got in can i just say also i do get a lot more questions but they're more whole episode subjects for people to like us all to muse on so these are just the short ones so uh, this last third question so i will be coming to the room live in a second is how is the feeling of being back on stage it's amazing also exhausting <laughs> we had two gigs this last weekend it was so much fun and just I just feel back at home, you know, just being able to play live in front of an audience with essentially my friends, my family on stage there and the Kimwell camp truly are like family. It's it's just so fun. Um, and to be able to show that to an audience again, is just, it feels like such a privilege. It always had, but it really, really does now. Also exhausting because obviously it just, yeah, uh, how long it's been, 18 months of no playing live and then suddenly all of the vibe and it's like zero to a thousand in like a second and oh, it's amazing, it's so good. Got another gig this weekend in Leeds and uh, yeah, it's gonna be awesome. Right, so let's head to the chat. So, oh, Fernando Riviera Neto is in. Hello, Fernando, how are you? Are you well? Uh, so Arno says, yes, I made it. Trying to follow this li live stream with a loudly barking dog in the background. Oh, well, I've, I was about to say, I hope that's not here. And I've just sort of like, the frequency of dog bark has completely gone from my hearing. But Arno, it's lovely to see you and lovely to have you here. So, um, David Frumman says, when can I get a quote? Oh, I, now, David, I'm not sure when, what you mean? I'm going to assume that you mean at emilydrums.com. So I, uh, I record drums remotely and my new studio is currently being built 
you can probably get a quote in, I'm hoping, <laughs> November. I can't believe it. Initially, my studio was meant to be done probably two weeks ago, but materials, you know, it's like things just get pushed back. So we're hoping November. So yes, get in touch then, David, because you know I would love to play on some of your music. Um, Mooncat Drums says, height restrictions. Is that why you didn't get the Smurfs gig? <laughs> Um, yes, that's it. and I wasn't blue enough either, but uh, yeah, no, it's, it, it's, this is what I mean about these sort of like negative thoughts that you might have that either you have about yourself or you think other people might have about you. They're ludicrous. <laughs> They're absolutely ludicrous. You have no idea why you might not get a gig. And even if you do, it's still insane. Just, you know, the bottom line is just try and take a positive action from a negative thought. And if you can get that right, and I'm not saying I always get it right, not even slightly, but, and I still catch myself, but if you can strive to do that, then it's definitely a good way of dealing with things. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I really wish I could share what the gig is that, that they had height restrictions, because it's just hilarious to me, like absolutely hilarious. But anyway, it's all good. So uh, Matthew North says, my checklist for finding musicians is very long. Yeah, this is the thing. I, I, it's, I've been in a few bands over the years uh, from when I was a teenager and, and well, I suppose the last one was The Darkness. And it, it's, it's hard. It's really hard finding like-minded musicians, not just musically. It's, if anything, the musical side of it is actually the smallest part of being in a band and the reason that i say that is because and it's the same on a session gig you know you you are with those people if you're in a band you're a family you're a team you're basically married to them you'll be spending 24 hours a day together seven days a week together and yes of course you know your, your thoughts and your feelings and and all these things aren't going to be completely perfectly together all the time it's just not how life works but there needs to be some fundamental things that you value that are the same and it's things like being co-writers together and 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 appreciating each other for being the unit that you are and 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 treating each other with respect i think is so important and it i just think it's so important that I, there's really not a lot more than i can that i can say um on that front really the the, the music is almost not secondary but they need to feel like a family. And that's the same on session gigs, I will say. The difference between being in a band and being in a session gig, a session gig is a lot easier to leave. If you're not a full member, you can just sort of say, look, I can't do this anymore or whatever, I'm gonna have to move on or whatever. They can replace you and there's something really freeing about that. The fact that you are replaceable because it's a mismatch. That's fine, that's fine. You just gotta be yourself and find your tribe as it were, find your people and, and just be able to be yourself as much as you can. And sometimes it's not appropriate to be completely yourself and you do have to be like a little more professional than you would be if you're a session player uh, versus if you're in a band, then you really can be yourself. But again, there's that trade-off of finding the right people to be part of that team. And it's the same, not just with the musicians moving forward, it's the management, it's, you know, it's, it's all those sorts of things. Um, um, you know the crew all of that you, you want a good team if you don't have a good team oh you're kind of it's gonna be friction and that's before you're even trying to do anything which is it's just difficult it's so difficult 
Matthew says, one, are they a good player? And two, are they a nice pe- person? And that's it. <laughs> that is a good list, uh, list, Matthew. I completely agree with you that those are very important. Um, Graham says to Matt, 100% that. Can't understand people who don't think like that. I know. I mean, but it's shocking to me how many situations I've seen, not necessarily been in, but I've seen that either they're not a good player, (laughs) oh my gosh, so many, um, or they're really not nice people. And you're just like, why do you want to spend your life with it? Like, think about it like this. Let's go back to this band situation. If you're really successful, do you really want to be in that environment? Like, and, and almost, it's like golden handcuffs almost. You know, super, the most successful band, you know, you're like the next Rolling Stones legends and you hate each other <laughs> or you don't respect each other or you can't communicate. Life isn't just about success on that level for me. It's just not, um, it's, it's about lifestyle. It's about environment, the people that I want to surround myself with. And, and yeah, so I'd, I'd just say, be very careful about entering into anything. And you know, that might mean that you decide you want to go off and be a soloized. That's totally fine. That's absolutely fine. You have every reason to do whatever you deem right. You know what I mean? Um, so anyway, Graham says, I'm imagining the height restricted gig with a really, really low ceiling and everyone banging their heads. <laughs> so I tell you, I probably can tell you the reason why it's height restricted. Although I like your reason better, I must say, Graham. Um, the reason was that the majority, like, oh, I almost just gave away. All right. So anyway, the reason was that the artist was quite small and they didn't want to make them look smaller. And it wasn't Prince, by the way. I will say that. Oh, Prince. I miss Prince. Mooncat Drums, Carl says, beautiful South slash Paul Heaton always used to split everything equally. You see? It's just, I think it's definitely the way to do things. And I don't know whether that's just me saying it from a drummer's perspective because we don't get writing credit, uh, well, yeah, credits and splits, by, you know, that's just by default. And it's understandable, you know, it's understandable that you can copyright a melody or is it up to seven notes, I think it is. If it's seven notes in the same uh, order, then that's copyright. But um, drums, you can't copyright drums. It's impossible because, I mean, although there are many, you know, different beats you can play and ways you can play, realistically, there's only really a few sort of like very well used beats so it's just it's just difficult it's a difficult thing but i think the the element of being in the room together if you're in the room you're writing together equal split that's what i say Gren says always feels very familiar to me when emily talks about the fear of failing in front of other people that's the way my mind works too and being super prepared is often the way i try to cope 100 percent. that is my way of coping i if any situation if i feel fearful i make a plan to eliminate that fear and that's usually by over overcompensating with how prepared i am for something that's generally how i work and it has its drawbacks like anything but actually it is definitely the reason that i think i get a lot of gigs because people know they can rely on me they probably don't know why they can rely on me they probably don't know the deep-rooted fear and feelings and thoughts that i have but what they do know is the results that i give and they know that if i rock up on a gig 
I'll do the job and I'll do it as well as I can. That is for sure. I know that about myself. Um, Matthew says, pineapple is a winner too. We have another pineapple fan. Woo! Maybe that's what should be the baseline of whether you should be in a band with someone or a relationship with someone is like pineapple. Because Tony likes pineapple too. And we are strong as anything, the team. Uh, and Graham says, yay, more pineapple on pizza fans. I wasn't expecting this response. I feel like, I thought I was in a minority of liking pineapple on pizza, but there we go. Um, Matthew says, Mooncat drums, my mate Paddy does their lights. Oh, beautiful South is that. In fact, Paul Heaton, the tech for um, Kim, also does Paul Heaton, I think. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure that's who they, oh, I can't remember. Jacques Joubert is here. Hello, Jacques, how are you? Yes, so Jacques has been quite uh, prominent on my Instagram uh, recently, and it's lovely to have you in the room, as it were, on this live, because, yeah, you're a fairly new to me um, person, so welcome to you. So Jack is saying, hi, Em, I was sitting waiting, thinking you're live on Instagram. Yes. Sorry about that. I Now you've said that, I've realised that the thing I put on Instagram did not denote that I was going live on YouTube, but this is why I ask people to sign up. So it's kind of like a, a safe environment that we can all just chat about stuff. Because as I'm saying, all this stuff, I wouldn't just be saying, would I just? I probably would be saying this to anyone, but I feel very safe sort of speaking about mental health, my vulnerabilities, all that sort of stuff, all the negative stuff that happens in my brain um, to you guys, because it does feel like a safe space. You guys are cool. Like, I feel like we can all relate on a level, which is really, really nice. Uh, Graham says, I once had a pizza with banana on it. That was actually really good. Graham, oh, you are testing my boundaries of savory. I love plantain. But even plantain, I don't think I could have on a pizza. Oh, if I said that to my sister as well, she would freak out. She doesn't like pineapple on savoury foods, but she, like, she's actually got a fear of bananas. I probably shouldn't be saying this. She's going to kill me. Um, but yeah, so bananas. Oh, I'd try it, but in my gut, I'd, what else was on it? What else was on the pizza? I'm thinking banana and tomato doesn't sound fun to me. Please tell me what else was on this pizza because it's stressing me out. Charlotte Bibby is here. Hello, Charlotte Bibby. How are you? Are you well? How's the house move going? Charlotte's been painting her house for the last like couple of weeks. Uh, she moved house a couple of weeks ago. Looks lovely. Jack says, Graham, uh, also add dried coconut flakes with the banana. I love dried coconut flakes, but this is starting to turn into muesli on pizza. I'm so confused. What the? What is going on? Um, I, yeah. Really? Please tell me about this, this, yeah. Banana, mozzarella, and tomato. I can't, I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not convinced. Graham says that sounds like something I'm going to try. Graham, you got a, you got a report back to us on that front. So Maysell says, M, do you teach the drums like Charlotte does? Uh, no, I think I spoke about this last week actually. So I, not in the traditional sense. I offer um, like one-on-one -on -one coaching, I suppose. Just you know, if you're looking to expand parts of your career, whether that's business-wise, whether that's touring, recording, whatever it is. I'm happy to discuss that and I do offer that as a kind of a one-on-one -on -one sort of coaching session 
But in terms of actually teaching drums, I don't offer that. And the reason is that I really um, hold in high regard the role that a teacher plays for a student. So I've been so lucky. I've had brilliant teachers over the years. Um, the, 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 late, the one that I've had for the longest and, and still have technically, although I haven't had a lesson in probably about a year or maybe two years since the pandemic, I suppose, is Mike Dolbear. And the reason that he's so good is, and, and the reason that I am not a teacher, is not just because he's brilliant at the physicality of teaching, he's also amazing at the consistency that I think that a teacher and a student needs. So he or I would always have weekly lessons and that's because he is a teacher full time and that is what he does. So he's able to be like, right, every Wednesday for instance at 5 p.m. come and have a lesson. I'm not able to offer that and I think that that is a massive, um, you know, I, I, I'm not comfortable with not being able to be consistent for my students because I think consistency is everything in life, just generally. And if my teacher couldn't provide that for me, I, I, would, not, I would not be their student. It's as simple as that. And for that reason, I am not a teacher. I may be at some point, I may be when I'm maybe off the road or whatever, but at the moment I like the very thing that I love about my job is the fact that, you know, I can be, you know, a couple of months on tour, a couple of weeks in the studio and then off doing something else, I don't know, like a show or I don't know, something it, like it can be many things or maybe I just go on holiday for a week. I'm quite flexible in my life and, and I like that at the moment. So I'm not saying never, but um, yeah, that's why I don't currently teach. That was a really long winded answer, wasn't it? For such a simple question. Jake Pratt is here. Hello, Jake, how are you? Hello, sorry I'm late. What did I miss? I'll catch up on the podcast. Yes, we were just talking about how if you can uh, turn around any sort of negative thoughts into positive actions. That's kind of the headline of, of all of this because I realized that that was a big reason that I was, I've been able to, you know, be successful in my eyes um, is because I managed to harness those, those inherently horrible thoughts. And by the way, I will say, it doesn't mean that you should necessarily indulge those negative thoughts i certainly don't i think i used to a lot um and and honestly they made me miserable but i recognized that they also drove me in a really good way and even down to like even in a in a petulant child kind of way like a i'll show you and that can be the i'll show you in the head or the i'll show you of someone saying something negative literally when i was oh i want to say 13 something like that i remember distinctly being in school and i'd been playing drums for a couple of years and a girl came up to me and said, well, what do you think? You do? do you think that you're a boy or something? Do you think you're gonna be this like famous drummer and just being really mean? And in my head, I was very quiet. I mean, I was quiet anyway. And I just remember thinking, I'll show you. What This was what I said in my head. This is gonna give you a good timeline. One day, I'm gonna be on top of the pops and you're gonna watch me and go, I used to know that girl. That's what I used to say to myself in my head. And um, Top of the Pops doesn't exist anymore. So there we go, never fulfilled. But um, yeah, things like that really drove me. 
And I knew that I could always go back to my drums, no matter what was going on, whatever people said. So there we go. Matthew North says, I did spend a long time in bands with the wrong people. It, it destroyed all confidence I had. Once I made the break, everything fitted into place. Yeah, I think, do you know what? I think I had a very similar experience. I started out in bands. I was in bands till I was 19. And what I slowly, you know, I loved those bands like so much. They were my family. I, I adored them. Um, but with each of them, it kind of, they kind of, I don't know how to say this, but I gradually realized that the people that I was with weren't people that I wanted to be around necessarily. And, and whether that was because their goals weren't the same as mine or whether it's because some of their views were very not in line with mine and that was outside of music. And I was like, I don't wanna be associated with these people. Um, I don't wanna be around them. It's just not nice. Like it's not, either it's negative energy or literally just awful behavior. Things, even simple things like treating other people badly that weren't in our camp, if you like. If I saw that happening, oh, you better believe that's one of the quickest ways to get me out of a situation, whether that's a band or a gig. If I see disrespect towards people that either, in fact, if it's in our camp or out of our camp, I don't care. If you're disrespectful to people, oh no, <laughs> that is one of the worst ways to switch me off to any situation. So, um, yeah, I gradually sort of realized that, okay, the people that I was surrounding myself with in these bands, I was like, mm, no, uh, no, not quite, or, and they'd always start out well, but it always ended up being this realization, oh, that's a shame. And as I did that, I realized that more and more that the session musician thing, the hired gun, um, the freelance musician was, the way to go for me because it gave me more flexibility it gave me more choice it gave me more opportunity to be around different people and sometimes they were amazing people and I'd love to stay there for as long as I could or whatever else or sometimes it wasn't sometimes it was just like oh this is fine for a while but then I need to move on so yeah I think it's just finding out what's right for you and as that question said you know if you really want to be in a band then that's totally cool but you've really got to spend time finding the right people with the right not the right people, just people with the same values, same goals, um, and that you enjoy spending time with at the end of the day, and that you respect, they respect you, all that good stuff. Um, Charlotte says, my fear of failure is so large that I try to prepare so much for the worst case scenario, haha. <laughs> so this is interesting, Charlotte, because I am exactly the same. And I didn't realize to the extent that I was because until, um, well, I'm sure I have realized this before, but my memory is rubbish, so I forget. Last week, I went to this really interesting conference. So, okay, this is a tangent. There's this book, right, called The Chimp Paradox. If anyone's into any sort of like psychological stuff and understanding your brain better, it's an incredible book. I love it. Uh, fascinating, absolutely fascinating. I won't go into the premise. But there was this um, this uh, couple of days of like workshops, basically, that the author of the book and his team had put on in Sheffield. Really interesting. I had a lot of fun. I learned a lot of stuff. And weirdly, now I often find this happens. I don't know about you guys, but so there's about 200 people there. There was one guy that walked in, and he walked in, and like everyone was sat on these big tables. And I looked at the guy, and I went, 
a bass musician. Anyway, lo and behold, he was. And I'm pretty sure we were the only two musicians in the whole of the place. But we got chatting and he was asking one of the other guys about, you know, when I'm playing a gig and if I play like a bum note or whatever and then it throws me off and whatever else. And what I realized was in, in terms similar to you, Charlotte, I think about when I'm going on to any gig, I think about everything that could go wrong. Now, this is very anxiety inducing, I will say, but what it means is I address everything that could go wrong and what I would then do to rectify it. Now, this even extends to having dreams about what could go wrong. It's unbelievable. But things like, for instance, um, let's say when I was working with Tricky, for instance, I was quite new to using the Yamaha Multi-12. So I started thinking about, okay, well, what could go wrong? Okay, well, this, uh, a pad could be too loud, a sample could be too loud. All right, well, how would I do that? Now, not just how would I do that, how would I turn it down and rectify that? Realistically, it's gonna happen whilst I'm playing. So how would I do that with one hand? And I would practice this. This is how insane I am. I would practice doing that. When I first started working with HD24 with Cher Lloyd, I found out how to rectify anything that would go wrong with that. Okay, so if it break, if it if it goes down, what do I do? I need to switch to the other machine. Okay, how do I do that? Now, realistically, I'm going to be playing. So how am I going to stop the machine whilst we're playing and then obviously wait to the end of the song and then switch over to the other machine? Because I'm pretty sure they weren't running in tandem. They may have been, so maybe I learned that. This was a while ago. This was like 10 years ago, so I can't quite remember that. Um, and yeah, just things like that. Everything that can go wrong, let me work out a way of rectifying it. What if my kick drum beat, it goes through my head? Okay, well, what I can do is I can get some gaffer and I can go in through the front and just gaffer it up. And then if there's a chance, well, I don't travel with an extra kick drum uh, head. So I'm just gonna have to do that. More gaffer, more gaffer often sorts it out. But because I'm like that, I sort of offered that as an explanation to this, this uh, musician, he's a guitarist and a singer. And he was like, all oh, right, yeah, okay. Yeah, that, that kind of makes sense. And the fact that people don't do that seems weird to me, but actually I'm realizing that I'm probably the weird one, but I'm in good company because Charlotte thinks the same as me. So, and yeah, and that can come down to also skills that I have in terms of like learning songs quickly. I know that if I chart a song, I can rely on that chart, it's gonna be right. I can do it once and I know that if I get to a gig, it's going to be right. Things like that, like just solve issues for me or even down to like watching people on stage, understanding that certain guitarists, when they go to a new section, the guitar head will come up slightly and I'll understand that. With Tricky, there's certain moves that he would do and I would know where we were going because he, he operates his gigs like he's a live DJ. So he'll just go to whatever section that he wants and we have to follow. I would watch him and understand his moves and just like go with him. So um, yes, welcome to my brain. It's a crazy place. <laughs> so Jake says, um, very well, thanks. Sounds like I missed some good stuff. Well, I, I hope it was good stuff, but yes, you'll have to, you'll have to watch it back and hopefully it'll be good. Um, Jake says, I had a gig at the weekend, five days notice, but only about a day's worth of time to prepare around other commitments. Had never heard their music before, took it, uh, took it just to prove to myself I could do it. Yes, Jake, I am right. We have the same sadistic brain. When I get asked to do things, if my brain says to me, 
you can't do that. My mouth goes, okay. <laughs> now it's a blessing and a curse for sure because it's great because it brings me into loads of new situations that I would never usually be in and it makes me up my skills. But again, it also opens me up to so much anxiety and stress. But do you know what, Jake? Kudos to you. You obviously absolutely nailed it. And I think that is that kind of attitude of just like taking things on. In fact, so this reminded me, this isn't drums related or music related at all, but we were talking about me and my family. In fact, it was my mum and my sister and me. We were talking about Blackheath in London, South London. Um, and my mum said, isn't that where you did a Santa run? Now back in, it would have been whew, 2009, maybe 2008, I did a Santa run. It's a 5K run and it was in uh, Blackheath. Um, uh, common I suppose is it I don't know and I don't run really and my mum and my sister said why did you do that and I said well I decided when I was living with my friend I was like right I I want to start running now rather than just start running I needed pressure <laughs> so I decided I wanted to do this thing and then I signed up for a 5k run six weeks later and went well well that's happening and it was for charity so I was like well that's happening so I better learn to run and that's how I run my life that's you know the voice kids perfect example I was sat down with the musical director having a coffee he said are you interested in doing this gig and in my head I went Emily you can't read music to the degree that that gig needs you to read music and I was sat there and I was like yeah yeah, yep, let's do it. And then I panicked and then I got together a practice schedule and it worked and now I can read music. But I often put myself in that situation. Cher Lloyd, you can handle playback, can't you? Yeah, yeah, no, but I learned and it's fine. Same with, I don't know, I don't even know, just many gigs. That is, again, it's the quickest way to get me to say yes to a gig. If it's giving me a new skill or exposure to a new genre or even to a new like audience or crowd, like a new, like, yeah, I'm just like, yeah, I'll come do that. That sounds interesting. And I, it's not that I get bored easily, but I definitely like a challenge. That is just my, my, brain that's how I work and I know that about myself and that's okay because some people are completely the opposite some people love the security of playing one gig for a long time and I really admire that in a lot of ways it's things okay perfect example I really don't enjoy rehearsals um, mainly because I do a lot of work before rehearsals so I come prepared and it's literally for me just um, exercising running things and maybe changing a few things but not a lot um, it's not about learning whilst we go I'm, I'm ready when we're in rehearsals like when we start rehearsals I can essentially do a gig from that first day essentially um, but I have friends that love rehearsals and if they are in a situation where it's like so we've got a month's rehearsals for this tour they love it and I'm like, that would be my hell. I can't deal with it. I can't deal with being in the same spot, like doing the same thing, playing the same songs for a month on end. Oh goodness. Yeah, it's a lot. So um, yeah, like I say, I think you've just got to find what works for you, what makes you happiest, really. I love I love chain, chopping and changing and all sorts of different things happening. And even if it is in one spot, like in my studio, 
I'm always playing different music every day. I'm always playing with different artists every day. I'm always talking to different people every day. And that makes it really interesting to me. So um, yeah, just totally grab hold of what makes you tick. I think that's, I think that's what I'm trying to say. So uh, Maysol says, this is great. Oh, thank you very much, Maysol. It's so lovely to have you here as always. Mooncat Drum says, the variety of bands I play in all force me to use different skills, playing to a click, using electronics, etc. Carl. We are cut from the same cloth. I, I, like I say, I feel exactly the same and I've been like that since I was a kid. So even from my very first... Well, that was interesting, wasn't it? I don't know why, but my camera decided to just switch itself off. Maybe it's sick of me and that's totally fine. But anyway, uh, as I was saying, Carl, <laughs> Carl, <coughs> I'm exactly the same. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah, the variety of bands I play in and have done since I was a kid, it, it, they always serve a purpose. Um, and uh, sorry, I'm just checking that everything is okay. Right, yes, this is fine. Uh, now your audio is from the camera. Yes, it is. Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, depending on where I'm at in my career, so coming out of school, for instance, I wanted to be playing to audiences outside of school so that was my reason for joining a band later on it was moving into different genres or like you say playing to a click that was a whole new thing the first time that happened or um yeah it just depends on the situation anything that makes me grow i will absolutely take on with both hands i will grab hold of it and shake it and get everything out of it so um right maysell says uh yeah now your audio is from the camera it's different and matthew says sounds better here well that's hilarious i definitely was trying to get the better audio from using an external mic but maybe i shouldn't be doing that uh so maysell says how's the studio bill going yes it's going well very well i think i mentioned earlier i think we're still a good hopefully six weeks away hopefully fingers crossed um it's yeah i i really miss having a space to play in and to create in i'm just lucky i get to do things like this though that really you know makes me so happy so very grateful but anyway i'm going to love you and leave you on that note uh thank you so much for everyone that's um joined me today sorry that my camera just went a little bit iffy and just wasn't having it one of those things, isn't it? It's just technology. At least the, the internet connection is good. Oh, let's talk about the internet connection for a second. So the place where I'm live streaming from gets 600 megabytes download speed and 300 megabytes upload speed. How unbelievable is that? Um, and oh, but with the audio camera, we have some background noise. Yeah, this computer is working hardcore. I've got a lot of things going right now. Um, <laughs> so Matthew North says probably because it's a little louder because it's closer definitely more bass in it says the TV news picture editor in me <laughs> I love it right guys I'm gonna love you I'm gonna leave you I will be back next week with another subject thank you for joining me and yeah as always if you want to join in live or ask me any questions at all go to emilyislive.com and yeah you can sign up You'll get a live link 15 minutes before I go live, or you can just ask a question on that website too. Anyway, I'm gonna go enjoy the rest of your week, enjoy your weekend, and I will see you soon. All right, lots of love you guys, bye-bye. And Emily is love, ooh yeah, Emily is love. <laughs>